You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello, this is Eric McLeod with Can We Talk. Uh, I'm here with Brian Edwards and also Marquise Herring. How's, how y'all doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great. Good, man. It's been an eventful week again. <laughs> so many things going on. But um, this week I was watching... This show called, it was on MSNBC, it was called um, Chicago in the Crosshairs. And it got me thinking about the structure, structures of our families in a lot of our cities. Um, seeing a lot of these young men and hearing about the deaths and hearing about the destruction going on in some of the communities. I want to talk a little bit about the role of the families as well as the role of a lot of the males in the community. And I know, Marquise, you can attest to this with your, your program, uh, Mentoring Through Media the importance of having those, those role models in the, the household. Um, so, yeah, I just want to talk about that a little bit because it really did spark my interest. That's great. Uh, great uh, topic to uh, talk about. Uh, as you know, um, Eric, I've been really working uh, intently and very passionately uh, over the last seven years now uh, with Men's Point Media um, and uh, working with young men right here in the city of Detroit. Um, it is, we are living in a time of uh, hopelessness and helplessness. Mm-hmm. And those are two very critical things that uh, we are dealing with when we deal with young men in the city. Um, and not just in the city, but, you know, we're coming from uh, poverty. And um, just despair. And I, I don't see any type of positivity in my life, so it's hard for me to see living a better life. Mm-hmm. And and that's, that, that's really where a lot of our young men are. They are it's almost like stuck. I'm just stuck. Yeah. And I don't know how, I don't know any way to get out this rut. Mm. So, you know, we, a lot of them, um, began to look up to, you know, the the cats in, in the uh, neighborhood who, you know, look like they have some money, you know, like the dope boy, you know. So because they don't really see or, or haven't been exposed to anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I'm living in this vacuum and I'm living in this uh, community of, of just hopelessness and despair and I don't see myself having a better future, so I'm stuck. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. So, so Brian, how do you think that your um, growing up in, in your household? How do you think it affected you and created you and, and turned you into the man who you are today? Well, you know, I think you know. Just you know, first, first to address you know um, the point that Marquise just made. You know, I think that you know, as you know, as we consider things like fatherhood and, and, and family structure, you know, how it plays into it. You know, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think, you know, the, the, the essence of the problem is that, you know, you come into the world, you know, not really knowing, you know, no one's, no one's born with, you know, kind of a, like a, a packet of knowledge, you know, that they can really like take into life, you know? And so, you know, we do rely on examples, you know, of people, you know, and how they live and how they, you know, even as it relates to fatherhood, like how they, you know, treat, you know, th- their mother, you right. know, how they, you know, their, their, whether it be, you know, a spouse situation or just kind of like a baby mama situation, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, how, how people, 
you know, treat that, you know, that, that all boils down to how, you know, your, your, your views on women in general, you know, right. your views on what kind of career you should have and, um, you know, what you should aspire to. So, you know, I, I do agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, me personally, you know, I think that, you know, my, my, my dad, um, you know, and my parents, you know, they, they immigrated from Guyana and, you know, they, you know, so, so from that standpoint, you know, I got kind of a different kind of viewpoint, yeah. um, you know, a family structure, you know, and how, you know, and, and, you know, it's given me kind of a different take on, you know, how to perceive my dad. He's a, a professor at Wayne State University, okay. um, you know, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, just from just from the, the aspirational standpoint, you know, I feel like that did play pretty heavily into, you know, what I felt like I should be at least trying to achieve in my life. You know, yeah. seeing my dad, you know, succeed in what he succeeded in, um, you know, and, and 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 how he just kind of conducts himself, you know, that 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 definitely did play heavily into, you know, but then also, you know, you think about the fact that, you know, Guyana or just a lot of, you know, I guess I don't want to say, you know undeveloped or you know underdeveloped or maybe just not as you know kind of we're not you know morally or value wise you know we're not really on the same page as the united states you know i think that um you know seeing kind of like the patriarchal kind right. of structure that that is in place in a lot of those places you know gave me you know honestly some cognitive dissonance you know as far as like you know what was acceptable you know as mm-hmm. far as in guyana versus what's acceptable um, as far as being a man, you know, in America, right? You know, so I mean that that that's been interesting to to perceive because you know my dad does function, you know, in a very kind of patriarchal mindset, you know, and and I think that you know even he, you know, was probably a little confused ab- about how to kind of impart, you know, modern values to me, you know, yeah. and so I think a lot of times my dad just kind of like stayed stayed out of it, you know, and so from that standpoint, you know, it it you know just the lack of just a clear example of how you should treat women or how you should, you know, just conduct yourself as a man, mm-hmm. you know, just not having a clear understanding of that, you know, in America has even, you know, caused me some trouble growing up. So, yeah. you know, as, as far as that relates, you know, to, you know, people, you know, who are growing up with role models in their life, you know, it, I think that, you know, there, it really has to be like the total picture, you know, it's right. not just about, you know, what career to aspire to, but just, you know, how to conduct yourself in so many other ways, mm-hmm. you know, that could all, you know, lead someone down a different path, you know, so. So coming from a family of, of immigrants, did you see any like stark differences between, you know, the households of your friends and then yourself growing up? Yeah, yeah, it definitely. You know, one thing I can say, you know, that was most the most glaring example is just, you know, what the the, the role of the man is supposed to be, you know, in the house. Because, you know, one thing that I, you know, has always been clear to me is that, you know, the the man of the house, usually, you know, he'll do the yard work or you know, he'll, you know, in some cases he'll like cook or grill or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Fixing stuff, you know, just being kind of like a handyman. But you know, that dynamic doesn't really exist. It never really existed in my family, you know, and I I don't think it exists for a lot of, um, um, Caribbean men, Mm. you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of like the, the, the woman is like the Lord of the house in the sense that, you know, she kind of takes care of like she cooks, she cleans, Mm. she fixes things, you know, or at least arranges to, you know, and the man just kind of stays out of it. You know, it's just kind of like a, a total provider scenario, okay. you know, but also at the same point, you also, as a, as the man in the household and that, in that dynamic, you know, it's, 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 a, it's crazy how much, even, even though the, the, the male figure doesn't even do as much, mm. how much you have to kind of have to like respect, you know, he's almost like the King, yeah. you know, and, and, and that is, that's confusing, you know, it really is, you know, Definitely. because, 
It's a lot of mixed messages in there. Yeah, absolutely. Right, sure. You know, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. So when we're looking at you know growing up in your household, um, having a father, and seeing the roles that, that the father takes, and Marquise, I know you've worked with a lot of men who had absent fathers, and um, right. so so you you sort of see a lot of similarities how. In Brian's family, the, the mother was the one who uh, did a lot of the things in terms of um, the cooking, cleaning, and, and providing you know a lot of support for the household. And looking at a lot of the young men you work with who have no father in the household, uh, what can you say about the their their character and how that makes the, helps to develop them you know as as young men? Well, I mean, it has a um, it has a great effect um, and, and not a good effect on on. Uh, young men who come from that background. Um, I was listening to uh, Brian and he was talking and, and I was thinking, you know, yes, that's the way that it should be. You know, that's the way that a traditional family should be. I, I wish that I had grown up that way. Yeah. But when we talk about crisis in our communities and talk about crisis in a lot of our urban areas uh, like Chicago and Detroit and Los Angeles and Cleveland and Philadelphia and so on, there are single mothers raising the kids. Mm-hmm. There are single mothers raising babies. And so um, that dynamic of the father being there, a, a father sets discipline. Right. He sets a tone uh, in the home. Um, yes, he's like the, the lion who sits, you know, and just kind of chills. It looks like he's always chilling. You know, you're like, hey, I don't want to go in the living room right now. Uh, Dad is sitting in there, and, and right. yeah. don't bother him right now. I'll just, just go ask my mom, you know. Right. But he's there. He's instilling discipline, and his very presence exudes power. Mm. And through that, he shows even that son how you should conduct yourself and how you should handle issues and how you how you as a man should run your household or, or yeah, run your household or run your family. Mm. But what happens when we don't have that? Right. So now you have a mother who's strong and I don't want to discredit mothers in, in any way because my mother was strong and raised us by herself. Mm-hmm. Right. But you have mothers now who are put in that role that never, it, that it was never designed for them to have to be in that role like that. Um, you know, the, the rites of passage, when, when a young man gets to a certain age and his dad needs to uh, talk to him about, uh, about relationships, healthy relationships, about his future, about uh, how to dress, about... Uh, how to properly take care of himself in, in terms of hygiene. Right. He's never there to instill those values and morals into that young man. So as any young kid, you go out and you begin to search for those things. Mm. And all too often, our young men are searching for those things in the wrong places. Mm-hmm. I have been so blessed to be a mentor and be able to be... Um, that person that many of them seek out for. And they, they, they've come to me and I've been able to be that father figure for them. Mm-hmm. 
But what happens to the, 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 the other millions of those who are just out here with, with no help, no guidance? They turn to the streets. Yeah. And I think that's really where, you know, you do become, you know, a special kind of lust, you know, because, yeah. you know, as children, you know, just just to, just to even take ourselves back, you know, to the mm-hmm. to the, you know, the world of being a child, you know, 10, 20 years you know, ago, you know, right. there's always that kind of like that that desire to to feel accepted, you know, and to feel understood, you know, and I think that, you know, you're especially for a young man, you know, your father kind of is the first person who gives you that shot, you know, because even, you know, you may have your mother. You know, because I I definitely grew up closer to my mother just from like, a you know, an emotional standpoint. Mm. You know, I felt more comfortable talking to my mom about a lot of things than I did with my dad, yeah. you know. Um, but but there's, there's there, there'll always be that wall there, you know, it, you know, no matter how, you know, you know, your gender politics play out, you know, there is still, you know, just kind of a maybe it's, you know, it's some kind of socio-cultural something kind of wall mm. between you and, you know, because you don't really you'll never really. I think subconsciously you you understand that you you'll never really see eye to eye on some things. Right. You know, you don't have the same desires in life. You don't have the same parts, you know, you don't have the same, you mm. know, approach, sure. you know, like, and so as close as you may even be to your mother in these cases of these single mother homes, mm. you know, it doesn't always do the trick, you know, for right. someone who's looking to, to feel accepted as a, as just, you know, you know, one of the basic, you know, components of being alive, which is your gender, you know, mm. like, and so I, I think that, you know, even even in those cases, you know, where you do have a strong female role model, you know, it, it does still kind of leave a void, you yeah. know. And I know, Marquise, we had a lot of conversations about this in the past, um, just knowing each other for a while. And I know you brought up a uh, a term where the, the mothers sort of look at the sons as being husbands and not in a, a crazy, like, you know, sexual way, but as husbands in terms of they're looking for the sons to support. Right. And so elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah. Yeah. The part that they, they play in the home. It, 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 mom is single parent. And a lot of times, um, and this has just been my history, uh, in work. Mom is young. She has the, the, the kid young. They basically grow up together. So he grows up. He's her little blue blue. He's her little king. Right. And so, you know, he grows up and he grows up and mom doesn't realize that at some point this young man is going to grow up and he's going to want more than just to be baby by her. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to want more. And so she makes him the, you the little man of the house right. and you the king of the house. And how can he be a king when he's never been mentored and nurtured and shown how mm-hmm. to be a king? So now he's, he's making his own decisions as a teenager, you know, and, and we all know that, you know, a, a teenager's thought processes are very selfish um, and they're going to make decisions that are very immature for the most part. And so then you have this mother that is, is allowing this, is this young boy to be the man of the house. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know, he's never been guided on how to be a man in the house. So it, the dynamic is just so dysfunctional and, and, and it, 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 it's so volatile at this point that, you know, what, what we're seeing is generation after generation of, of young men who are, growing up without any type of guidance. Mm. And so 
they're getting their guidance from the streets. And we all know that, you know, that's leading down uh, the road to destruction. Yeah. And, and so this is why we are burying so many of our young men because <clears throat> they, they, they're always going to search for guidance. Mm-hmm. But it's where you get that guidance from. And if, 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 if you're going and you're being led to, you know, they always say birds of the same feather flock together. Right. You know, if you're going in and you're not doing anything with your life and you don't, you, you have a, a negative outlook on your life or no outlook on your life at all, right. you're going to gravitate toward people like that. Mm-hmm. That like the feel the same way you feel. Right. It's and, not until you get out of your comfort zone and you're put around people or you center yourself around people mm-hmm. who are doing more with themselves or trying mm-hmm. to do more with themselves that you begin to grow and realize a little more about yourself right. and a little more about, you know, what it is that you may want to do with your life. But our young men don't have that. That's you know, they, uh, uh, many of Michigan's prisons are filled um, with African-American males. Mm-hmm. I think is the number somewhere around 60%. So if they're not incarcerated, mm-hmm. they're dead or have completely abandoned the kids. Right. And so what, what structure can you really have if the man is the one that sets the structure? What structure can you have if he's not there? Yeah, you can't. I mean, and it goes back to, you know, the drug epidemic in the 80s and how it destroyed a lot of families. And it becomes, it becomes cyclical. And this thing becomes generational. And you see that no matter how hard... Um, you know, people try in terms of putting in programs to help, you know, try to alleviate some of these issues that continue to, to come and rear their ugly head every single year, every single, with every single case. Um, and so it's about trying to find programs where, sort of like Mentor Through Media, where you work with these young men throughout for years, not just a one-stop yeah. shop, you know, not just right. coming in right. for a couple of days a week, actually right. Right. really taking them in as family. And I know you've, you've done a great job of that, Marquise, man, you've, a lot of these young men are, are sons to you now. And so yeah, yeah. providing that structure, providing that support in their lives where you become that father figure, man, that's so, that's so important. That's definitely needed in a lot of these young men's lives. And so from, from here, what is, what's the next route for us, you know, as um, men who can get back in the community, what can we do in order to try to help solve some of these issues? Well, First thing is, and this is just this is just uh, Marquis talk. Mm-hmm. The first thing I, I say is that we have to reestablish a good education yeah. uh, for our, our kids. Um, and you know, as a, as a dean of students working in the high schools uh, in Detroit, um, I see it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't value life. We don't value education. We don't see the importance of education anymore because um, many of them have never seen um, education work for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't have family members uh, where, you know, they went to college and graduated from college and are uh, living the American dream. I mean, many of the, uh, most of the kids I deal with are at the poverty line or below. And so that means that they're living in a survival mode. Everything about them is survival. So they're going to scheme. They're going to look for the hookup. Right. 
They're going to, um, they have, a lot of them have a sense of entitlement, which feels like, hey, listen, uh, you're supposed to do this for me, and mm-hmm. I'm entitled to have this, and not not to let me work for what it is that I need mm-hmm. or what it is that I want. You know, I have goals. They don't have goals. And so if, you, if, if we're going to really begin to transform our communities and transform like I've been able to do with a lot of the young men who've come through uh, mentoring through media, uh, a mentoring program is we have to ex- uh, almost expose them mm. to life outside of where they currently live. Mm. Uh, every chance we get, and again, that's through education. Yeah. Education opens doors and unlocks futures. It unlocks the door to wherever and whatever it is that you want to do in life. Mm. And um, (laughs) it was amazing. I was standing in the school the other day. I'll tell a quick story. And in the school where I work, they have a a little nursery in there, like on the first floor. Mm. And upstairs is the high school. Mm. And I I saw this parent walking in with their kid. And it was a little boy. And he was just skipping and laughing and jumping around. Could have been no more than three or four years old. I mean, he's hyped. He's hyped to be in school. And, you know, just jumping around, got his little lunch pail, <laughs> happy. And I turned around, and one of the 10th graders was coming into school. Mm-hmm. And he immediately looked at me and was like, oh, why do I need to be here today? I want to just go home. The fifth grader. Oh, I do not feel like going to any class. <laughs> And, and, and I stood there for a second, and it just came to me. I was The question popped in my head. What happened between that young man's age, the three- or four-year-old, mm. and this 10th grader's age that made him get to a point that I don't want to be here anymore? Mm. I don't want to come here anymore. Yeah. They all started out excited about school and excited about what learning could do for them. But then by some point, it became a chore Mm. and not a choice. And if we're going to begin to help our young men, show our young men something different, it has to start through education. It has to. I agree. I'm going to slightly disagree with that. You know, and 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 not from the standpoint of uh, trying to play devil's advocate or anything, but you know, I do think that, you know, maybe it's it starts maybe with more so with just developing agency, you know, in people to, you know, just be productive, you know, in, in any kind of way, you know, because ed- education is absolutely important. And I won't and I want to disagree with that. But I just think that the pipeline to seeing education as important should maybe start from just, you know, becoming more engaged in your just immediate environment. You know, I think these young men need to learn how to fix things. And I think they need to learn how to you know, develop passion, like for, you know, maybe even the arts, you know, I think at a young age, you know, we start to flash interest, you know, very, very early in life. You know, sometimes, you know, it could be a young man who like likes to draw or maybe someone who is like a an interesting, you know, attunement to music. You know, I think that that too often, you know, we look at education as the end all be all 
of how to break into any kind of real productivity in society. But I think it's really like people need to be able to to recognize their talents and have gateways to exercise their talents. You know, I think that, you know, maybe, you know, you know, like one of my favorite programs downtown is uh, the Blightbusters program, yeah. you know, or um, even things like sit down in Detroit, right. you know, where, you know, you get out into the community, you you learn to process the things around you. You see like, OK, these buildings are busted down. How can we fix them? How can we make our community stronger just by putting in that one little piece of effort? Mm. You know, how can I make my life seem more colorful just by being able to being free? to like express my, my interests or my right. talents, you know, in, in any, in any particular direction. Um, I do think education is, is, is definitely the next step in that mm -hmm. because, you know, you need something to back that up. You know, you need something to make you, you know, to, 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 to give you the, the pieces of knowledge that you wouldn't be able to attain maybe from your immediate environment. Right. But I think that there is something to be said about, you know, just community engagement in the sense that people need to feel free mm -hmm. to, to express themselves you know, they need to feel like, you know, there is more than one way because that's also it, too, because not everyone's going to be a doctor. And right. that's one thing that we have to understand about our society, about how it works. You know, not everybody's going to be a doctor. Sure. Not everybody's going to be a lawyer. Not everybody's going to teach her. Sometimes people are just masons. Sometimes people mm -hmm. are fixed cars. You know, sometimes these are all useful right. things that require different types of education, you know, trade education, you know, arts education. You know, and I think that all comes, you know, maybe even just like, you know, people just need to read more. You know, people need to just understand that the world is a very dynamic place with a lot of different things that you could get involved with, mm -hmm. you know, first, you know, and then from there deciding, you know, making a conscious decision, you know, whether it's the parent's decision or, you know, the child's decision themselves, what type of education is the most appropriate for the person who has this type of interest, mm -hmm. you know. So, I, I mean, I, 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 I guess maybe I don't necessarily disagree. But I think that, you know, before we get into like the education, I think that there is another step that's being missed, yeah. you know, and I feel that was kind of missed in my own life because, you know, it, it's it's been later in life, you know, just through a number of experiences in college, maybe right? yeah. <laughs> that kind of opens your mind to a it's lot true. of things. But, you know, my artistic kind of inclinations kind of came about more so in the later part of my life. But mm -hmm. mainly it's because a lot of those things weren't encouraged when I was a kid. Yeah. And I always felt disillusioned in school. You know, in the sense that, like, you know, I didn't really see a practical value of, you know, calculus or, right. you know, I mean, I always love physics, I love space. But like even at the time, like physics or chemistry, like it didn't really speak to me. And right. so therefore, you know, the interest seems forced at that point. Like it feels like someone's sure. shoving it down my throat, you know. But, you know, if, you know, I've always been I've always loved music. I've always loved drawing. And those things were really not encouraged, mm. you know. And so even, you know, even now, like, you know, I'm I'm working in a very kind of like office kind of world environment doing you know things in the realm of accounting yeah you know that i never really wanted to do and i don't really feel very satisfied with you know and you know i think you know pursuing that satisfaction from a younger age mm -hmm. you know i think that can you know lead to not only people being more productive but people actually feeling engaged with their community and wanting to share i definitely agree with you in that in that sense because um i'm currently working on my doctor in education and we had a course where we were talking about the start of or, or the main philosophies of, of the at least 20th century education. And there were two. So there was a philosophy of teach students to prepare them to be productive citizens once they matriculate through um, and, and eventually graduate from high school. And so that was more so the standards, making sure they know their algebra, their, their science, you know, their, um, their, their, their language courses. But there was another frame of thought. I think it was by John Dewey and John Dewey, he pushed more so teaching students 
about their passions. So cultivating those passions, school being an extension of not just what you learn in the school building, but an extension of home. And so looking at what students like to do and then catering their education around that. And so those are the two main frames of thought, but we went so more with the, you know, the educational efficiency. So being the, you know, preparing them for the workforce. And so I, I completely agree. I think that a lot of times our students have passions and skills that we don't really cultivate. We're not, we're not saying, Hey, Hey, Hey John, man, you can, you're really good at this music thing. You're good at this art thing. Let's go figure out how you can make, how you can be successful moving forward. We don't really do that. We sort of like, all right, that's an extracurricular, Mm -hmm. but you need to focus on these, these books. And so I think that it's definitely important that uh, we also realize the students aren't of the same frame where they, again, they're not, they're not going to be doctors, they're not going to be lawyers. So we need to figure out how can our education help those individuals who do have that more creative side, that creative aspect. And so, yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. I know. I mean, I, I agree with, uh, with, with what Brian is saying as well. Mm. Um, but I think that you cultivate all of those things through education. Mm-hmm. And through 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 the knowledge of it, um, when I was in high school, you know, I I, I thought I could sing. I thought I was a little Luther Vandross. <laughs> so, you know, I was <laughs> I was in choir. You know, what I'm saying I wanted to try to sing to some girl and see if she would, you know, sing for me singing. <laughs> sing. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had a, a a love for the arts. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. a love for for. Um, for music and still do to this day. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with, with what he's saying. I just feel like we have to give them the basic foundations mm-hmm. and oh, for um, sure. yeah, for sure. that comes through education. You know, it comes through going to school. It comes through incorporating a great uh, finer performing arts and athletics programs in mm-hmm. schools. So the kids get the opportunity to be exposed to several different types of uh, of careers that they may want to go into. And I think part of the problem that's happened is that with the rise of charter schools um, in in the area and, and, and really in the country, that we've gotten away from the traditional setup of school. School was where if you wanted to draw, if you felt mm-hmm. like you were an artist, that you could enroll in art class and take an art class and have your art put in a gallery and, you know, exposed to the University of Michigan or Michigan State where you could go up there. I remember in high school, you know, kids in my, some of my peers who could draw very well, uh, their art was, was taken. They, they had a chance to go up to the University of Michigan and put their art on display in art galleries. Mm. All of these things happen when kids are receiving a good education, when they are not just learning math, science, English, mm-hmm. but they're also learning the arts. They're mm-hmm. also learning cultural, um, different cultures. They're, they're being exposed again to, and I keep using that word exposure because it's so important, but them being uh, exposed to diverse communities, um, not just going to the African um, museum downtown, but going to uh, the Holocaust Museum in Farmington uh, Hills, you know, learning different things and learn, being very diverse about uh, the world that we live in. Yeah, and going back, but going back to family support, though, you know, a lot of cases it's up to the parents and the families to also expose them as well. 
like the schools can only do so much. And, you know, schools right now, they're so focused on, um, you know, achieving and, and, and passing those standardized tests that a lot of times they're stripping the funding away from those programs like the arts and, and, uh, and music and, and, and things of that such. And even like the Votech programs. I remember when I was in high school, kids had the opportunity to go to Votech programs through, through Crockett. And so um, those things are, are disappearing now. And so I think it's important for us to realize that parents, you know, regardless of I know some parents are in financial despair and they, they don't have the, the money or resources to, 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 you know, try to expose their children to these, these opportunities, but it's important to at least try to, you know, at least go downtown, you know, go to the art museum, um, go to the Tigers game, go to the Fox State or something that can be free, you know, that helps expose your child to those different options. Well, you know, and I agree with that, but we're, but it's it's like, it's like Eric asking them to go somewhere they've never been, yeah. you know, take their child somewhere. They don't even know yeah. where these places are. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's I true. grew up in the city of Detroit, you know, um, I, I had never heard of some of the, the areas and restaurants in downtown that some people who weren't from here knew all about, yeah. you know? And so again, it's like, how, how do we get them out of their communities and show them something different that life is so much bigger than just Mac and that <laughs> Puritan. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, and that life is bigger than Joy Road. You know, that, that there's a great big old world out here. Mm-hmm. And that when you look at the grand scheme of things, that Joy Road and, and Mac and Clarabelle and Mac and Beatwick it's just a very small inkling that probably wouldn't even show up on the map in mm. where you can go in this world. Like, we say that, but our kids don't really understand that. Like, I work in the school with them every day. Yeah. When you're telling them you can be and do and go wherever, whatever you want to do in this world, they're, they have such a myopic point of view that all they really see and understand is the area that they live in. That's all they know. Mm-hmm. So if you don't grab those kids and start showing them something different, you're, you're going to lose them. And I agree that a lot of our kids are very talented. Mm-hmm. But if if they don't have any outlets in the school to be talented, then the talent goes wasted. Right, yeah. Right. Or gets channeled into something destructive. Destructive, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there are no, like, Youthville Detroit anymore mm, yeah. where a kid can go and, and, and get some development in serious, and I'm not talking about after-school recreation. I'm talking about a development program that's helping, that's partnering with schools and partnering with families to help kids be what they want to be. Right. Those, those, those programs are non-existent in a lot of ways. I mean, there are a few out there, but for the masses, right. it's almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. So the mindset sad. has to change. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing to even consider, like how to approach, you know, just from the standpoint of like, you know, just like what you said, like, I, I, I think, you know, that you really hit the nail on the head. Like, how do you get people to desire to go or do or be something that they have never been to themselves? You know, right. 
You know, it, I think, it, you know, just in my own personal thoughts, you know, I think it just it's going to take some sort of a strong hand from someone, you know, just to really kind of provide a lot of, you know, low cost, you know, opportunities for people to, you know, just do things like, you know, I, I know that there's this one group. I mean, this isn't really necessarily low cost, but I mean, even just from, you know, maybe thinking about things from the top down, like I know there's that group. Um, where it's just like a bunch of like black women who like just just travel, like it's like a travel oh, I group. Heard about that, yeah. yeah, you know, and I think things like that are are great because you know then you know you get because you know I think fear plays into it too. You know, it does. Um, you know, and that's yeah, something that I know we 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 talked about. Um, you know, we've talked about before. Like, you know, it's at some point you know communities, whole communities, mm. you know, just get pressed down with just the fear of just doing something that's outside of like for fear of like. You know, that they're going to be somewhere and people are going to look at them like they're the other, mm. you know, or that, you know, they won't like it or, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's how to dispel that. You know, that's right. that's that's I think that's the question that, you know, anyone who's looking to make a change really needs to answer first. You know, mm. like what how do we release that spell? You know, yeah. And it's a big thing. It's a big issue because it's not only, you know, the city of Detroit It's every single major urban city across the country we're dealing with the same problems and trying to address um address these issues across the board is going to be something that we we really have to collectively come together and and determine but you know within our own area it's about really uh, trying to trying to figure out what's the best way we can expose our young people and i think like what you said, Brian, man, people do, they're afraid of fear. And I, working in the high school, as you can see, the students were afraid to be successful. Mm-hmm. And it goes to that, that, I guess that mindset of being different mm-hmm. is bad. <laughs> and it's, yeah. and it's, it's not, it's not always a bad thing. It's, no. You can't be, you can't be who your friends are because your friends, they're not a good example of what success is in many cases. So mm-hmm. um, it's really just dispelling those myths of what it means to be different and mm-hmm. it means to be successful. And I think it's just, it's going to take time and we just got to figure out, you know, what part do we have, whether it's a small part, but what part can we make um, to really contribute to the greater good? Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that, that's where we are right now. Um, and um, it, it's, it's going to take a co- collaborative effort. Um, you know, culpability lies with all of us. Mm-hmm. We all have to get involved. Um and, you know, I, I said one time before on, on a couple of shows uh, back, the, you know, they, the, the, the African proverb is that it takes a village to raise a child. Right. But mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, what happens when the village is sick? Mm-hmm. And our villages are sick. And so what those of us who've had an opportunity to step out and get an education and see something different, we have to reach back. Yeah. Because... If we don't reach back and grab the next generation, we're going to begin to see a cycle of poverty being perpetuated in the mindset, a negative mindset, a, dis- a mindset of despair and hopelessness and helplessness perpetuate itself over and over and over and over again. The father, in a lot of ways, has been... Um, Moved out of the home, out of the, out of the existence. Um, some of it is is our own thought process or or doing on our own, and some of it is cultural. And and and, and this is just my this is just my opinion. Mm. Um, you know, some some of it has been done, you know, culturally and, and through the media. I mean, you mm-hmm. take a man and 
you give him a job in the plan, and sure, he's making great money, mm. you know, but he's never with his family. Yeah, never at home. Right. He's never home. So it almost speaks to the old additive of the, the Willie Lynch theory, you know, which mm. which which said that, the you know, the the man, you give him a job, he'll work, but he's never there to see his kids grow up. Mm. You know, he's providing a home for him, but he's never at his at his son's game. Because he's always working, working, right. working, working, working. Mm-hmm. You know, so so again, that structure is not never there at home. He's leaving the home from the phone. You know, mm-hmm. he's governing the house from the phone. Mm-hmm. Make sure you do what your mom told you to do. Make sure you do your homework. But he's never really there present. Right. And so I, even in my mentor group, you look at it now. I, I One year out of 24 young men in the group, Ten of them, their fathers were incarcerated. Wow. So when they talk to their father on the phone, they're talking to their father. He's he's away in prison somewhere. So he's telling, "Make sure you do your work." Yeah, I hear you. All right. Yeah, you're right, Dad. Yeah, I, I will. Right, right. You'll be here no time soon. You're locked up. You're locked away. Right. So again, where's that structure coming from? Mm-hmm. It is important for. Some of these men, and I've said this before, and sometimes I have to pause because I don't want to say it the wrong way and come across the wrong way in what I'm trying to articulate, but our churches have to get more involved. Mm -hmm. Um, Businesses have to get more involved. Mm -hmm. Black men who have made it out of the hood have to come back to the hood and stop being scared of our kids Mm -hmm. and get involved. That's Mm -hmm. the only way we're going to change this. It's 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 deep and and Brian for you in terms of like your community in terms of your your parents when they were growing up in uh, Guyana mm-hmm. how was their term how was their community was it was it close knit did, did they collaborate one, with one another like how was it yeah you know and that there was always a strong spirit even now like you know with you know my my you know, relatives you know you know it does. There's always been a strong sense of like, you know, everyone always knows what everybody's doing. Everybody right. has an opinion. Everybody has, you know, kind of a a stake in just seeing someone who, you know, is not even their own child succeed. Sometimes, you know, like I have my mom's friends, you know, even I always like anti this, anti that. Right. You know, I, I don't even know who's really related to me sometimes. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I think, you know, to, 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 you know, both of your points, you know, I think that, you know, the, the, the real thing is just getting people who have made it out you know maybe even giving those people you know more freedom to express themselves so that they can go back to their own communities and contribute because yeah that's what that's what it's going to take you know so i just want to say thank you guys man we had a great conversation uh we got to continue to have these conversations on a weekly basis um again i was eric mcleod i'm here with brian edwards and marquise herring and this was can we talk thank you